Hi everybody and welcome back to The Rambling Writer. My name is John and today is a very special episode because I have a guest this time around. That's right, you're not just going to hear my voice, you're going to hear someone else's voice. Isn't that a very fun change that maybe should happen a lot more often than I'd like, but I don't have a lot of people. But you know what, that's going to change because there's obviously so many good writers out there and one way or another I'm going to get them onto this podcast and talk about their whatever they need to talk about with writing. Uh, but anyways, I'm excited to, to share this episode because I spoke um, my first podcast with a guest is um, quite special because she is a friend and colleague of mine. Um, and I believe that the uh, topic that we talked about was very uh, suitable for her kind of uh, expertise and I really appreciated uh, the time that she spent just to sit down and talk with me a little bit about uh, the role of reporting. That's right. So the first guest that I have is a reporter. Her name is Jasmine Stoll Weiss. She is a reporter with the Pacific Daily News and she primarily covers public safety. Uh, that kind of entails uh, crime, cops, and courts. Those are the kind of stories that she works on. Occasionally she also does uh, other stories as well. She also worked previously as a reporter for the Marianas Variety Guam, so she has experience in multiple newsrooms, and she graduated from the University of Guam, which is also where I graduated from. A lot of connections here, um, and I'm really happy again that she uh, agreed to come on and just talk about her experience as a writer, as a reporter, just to give a secondary opinion, you know, not always, uh, not all the time will I have my opinions laid out in this podcast, I absolutely want other people just to come on board and, and, and talk about, you know, the, the different kinds of struggles with as being um, of being a writer. Now, I do have to warn you, this is my first time doing an interview with a guest, so naturally there were some technical problems. Uh, one main one that you're probably going to figure out is that the audio isn't as great compared to what you're hearing right now. Um, we did record in an open space and uh, we were using one mic, which is the mic I'm currently using, um, and we were a little bit far away from it compared to how I usually speak on this mic. And I, be I think there was a little bit of a aircon noise coming through, um, so you'll notice that it's a little echoey, but I definitely think it's hearable, and um, our conversation provides a lot of insight into kind of the way reporters think. Um, especially for us too. So uh, once again, thank you so much for listening in and I hope you enjoy this podcast. I will see you on the other side. All right, cool. So thank you so much, Jasmine, for being my first uh, podcast guest. Um, <laughs> Great to be here. <laughs> Please bear with us. I know that I get very like antsy when I'm on. When, once I hit the record button, that's immediately like I, I just lose my words and I can't talk anymore. Uh, but I'm excited for this episode because this will be the first time that I'll have a guest on. Um, and of course, every I guess every so often I do want to invite um, a, a writer, either a journalist, um, a blogger, maybe even people who uh, write novels or poems just to come on board and just to talk about their uh, their struggles of writing, but also things that they are very passionate um, with writing. So 
the reason why Jasmine's here is because she is going to talk about her experience as a reporter. She is a journalist. She works on the courts and crime beat for the most part, but she also, uh, every now and then, she does write a couple stories outside of her beat. So once again, Jasmine, thank you so much for your time. Um, and of course, I will try to make this in a way where you'll be talking for the most part. Um, oh, I definitely don't want to like interrupt, um, uh, especially when you're kind of have like your thought train going on. So. How, how was your day so far? How was your week? Oh, my week, it felt like the longest week ever this week. And it's actually one of the shortest weeks I've had like at work, but the week was so long. I don't know what it is. You know, Mercury's in retrograde. I mentioned this earlier. Um, people probably think I'm insane. I am, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So the week was okay, I, I think. It wasn't the best week. I did, um, I covered, yeah, as John said, like, cops and courts and crime but recently I switched to a Saturday schedule so um, on Saturday it's not always cops in court like it's sometimes I get to cover other live things that's been a good help I think not a good help but like a nice break in my writing and sort of challenging myself in the way that like writing from court documents doesn't anyway that was my week how was your week I'm I'm, fairly okay I mean (laughs) I mean I, I I I'm going through a couple like changes uh, just within this week alone. So it was more so wrapping up something that I was a part of before and now I'm kind of like slowly transitioning into something else, which is scary, but at the same time, it's given me some time to focus on more of my side projects. So this podcast, for example, um, but other than that, yeah, I think everything's kind of been pretty normal for me. Um, But back to you. So you are on a Saturday schedule, meaning that you work from Tuesday through Saturday. Yes. Um, so can you, what, what's kind of like the differences between working on a weekday and a weekend? Oh, a weekend is way more relaxed because um, there's not as much going on. I will say I'll interrupt myself as always, but I, it's so weird being asked questions. I think I'm like, well, what do I do? Do right. I keep talking? But it's cool. It's good to like be on this side because a lot of the time, like on the other side, I'm interviewing people, but... I'm constantly thinking of what to ask next or like trying to listen to them at the same time. So I think like sometimes I've always like let people sort of go on and I think it's a good strategy as far as interviewing goes. Just like let people fill in those gaps and like be a little bit uncomfortable with them in that moment. So the Saturday, the weekend schedule is a lot more relaxed because there's not as many things going on. Everything's sort of closed. The court's closed for one, so I'm not going to head over there. I'm not looking to at their schedule or sort of paying attention or looking what court documents I can look up. And while there is a lot of crime that goes on over the weekend, what I'm focused on and what the weekend reporter generally is focused on is like breaking news. And that's already something that I do in the week. Like there's always a, a little bit of brain space on whatever I'm working on in the week that's like, oh, if breaking news happens, then everything shifts and my priorities go toward that. So if that's sort of on the back burner on the weekend, I can handle that if there's like almost nothing else relatively going on. So for me, as far as like my workload goes, it's been way more manageable. And I think that uh, that sort of Saturday where there's like open hours of not much going on gives me time to work on enterprise, which I had hoped for when I asked for the schedule and it's seeming to work out that way too. Like just this past Saturday, I was able to like plan 
enterprise stories and tasks that need to be done for those things like in like the next quarter which oh, I've never done mostly because after a day like I'm just so beat I don't want to do anything how long have you been working on a courts and crime beat three years right. about yeah so in, you've kind of been working um, with that same kind of mindset of uh, need to look for a magistrate's complaint need to look for uh, need to look at the police blotter uh, anything that might have happened within the past days weeks maybe even like hours uh, so how, how how is it like for you to kind of transition from that very, I, I'd say that's very like, um, how would you describe it? It's very like like a straightforward stories writing yeah. style uh, in comparison to enterprise stories that require a lot more research um, and a lot more creativity with writing. How do you find yeah. the transition? There? So um, like writing from court documents and with cops, that beat is, you don't have a lot of room to move because you could be entirely wrong. And uh, like our content coach, our editor was like, good rule of thumb is you can't write beyond, beyond what you know. So I can't say like, oh, she screamed when she, there was a home invasion, because I don't know that. And it's not, if it's not in the court documents, if I, I didn't interview the woman herself, then I can't write that. Like it's a, sure, maybe she screamed, but like if I don't know that I can't write that because that's irresponsible. So it's like, very regimented and I can't there's not a lot of like room to write creatively I used to hate um, writing like life pieces and sort of uh, fluffier stuff because I I was so spent already on like writing I think that I have a certain amount of energy for writing and so if I, I I've totally spent that on like what's on my beat and like writing for the like hard news then when I get like a fluff assignment, I'm like, I can't think. I can't like put these into words um, and make it like entertaining or whatever. I used to find that harder to do. And um, and with enterprise pieces too, it's, it's a lot of the time it's like looking at sort of the bigger picture of it all and then taking all those moving parts and then putting it into like a nicely worded sentence. I used to like, I was my own worst enemy. I would say these days it's a little bit easier because I've sort of become more like okay just write it just write it if it makes sense then that's good enough but a lot of the times when I worked on enterprise pieces or like life pieces I would stop myself before I could even write it because I'm like does this sound good does this like flow well is this the sort of like you know like fluff pieces that I want to write that's not like too cliche and so I would get in my own way and I'd stop myself and then I'd throw my hands up and be like I'm so tired I can't do this and then I'll turn in something that I didn't really like in the first place but I've made sort of a more concerted effort to just like get out of my own way and like just write it and if it makes sense and if it's the right thing then and it's accurate then go for it and then later on you can always revisit it and make it sound like beautiful or whatever and I think like I've been trying to read more so that I have like more I know it doesn't sound like it now because all I say is like 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 (laughs) but I think that I've been trying to read more to like expand my vocabulary and also just like sort of absorb the way other people put things into words and then maybe I can sort of not to steal but to steal and sort of regurgitate it or use the way they describe things interpret it and then maybe use it in the way that I write other sort of fluff or enterprise stories I guess how do I move from it it's been a rough road and it still is a rough road to move from like regimented court stuff and like hard news which is sometimes like really boring into like more creative writing 
but it's getting there, I think. I, I feel that I'm getting there. And um, you were talking about, like, side projects. So, like, I think that I also have to write for myself and write, like, creative fiction on my own to, like, sort of help me weave that into, like, my sort of fluffier pieces. So you've talked about how kind of like what goes on in your mind when you're writing enterprise stories because there's just that one um, step that you need to take to go from hard news, stern, uh, lifeless writing to explosive, colorful writing. Yeah. Um, so what goes on in your mind? Like what what goes on in your mind when you're uh, over? Like you're consumed with all this like courts and crime. I mean, it's generally negative. You're every day you're basically reading something bad that happened, and you yeah. have to report on it. So I mean, how do you? Stay sane. I am not. <laughs> I and uh, I'm not. I don't think that I'm sane at all. And you make a good point. Like I, I read sometimes the worst thing that's ever happened to a person, like daily. Like that is the worst thing that's ever happened to them. It's affected them their whole life. It'll affect everyone around them just because they are now a changed person. And it could be. Um, something like as gory as like a murder or even like when someone steals from you like even if it's like they uh, like a smash and grab and they take something from your car like some part of you feels like they invaded your privacy is what I learned I haven't no one's ever smashed my car because it's a piece of shit and if that's the worst thing that ever happened to them like someone broke into their house at night and took all their iPads like that's terrible they are victimized so I read about some of the worst thing that ever happened to people and I read about like some of maybe the worst actions a person has ever done for like on like for themselves like whoever thought who as a child thought uh, like oh I'd grow up and I'd slash my boss's neck no they didn't they were just like a kid but like all of you know things led up to them so it's, that's not it is a moment that'll define them publicly but like privately you don't you never know like if that's that person's like defining moment and but it's probably the worst thing he's ever done is killed somebody there's not a lot of serial killers in Guam I don't think uh we never know but uh how do I say saying I don't I I think like how do I cope I've asked been asked this before and like I was speaking to like UOG students and they're like how do you cope and I'm like I drink and they're like oh I've never been asked to speak to UOG students again. <laughs> I think that says a lot. But, but I think that's a very that's a very normal answer for basically any reporter, and it's even worse, of course, for cops and courts and, and crime. But um, you just ask any reporter, and and they'll just give you a very a very uh, not so positive answer. Um, so. I guess the, the uh, first question I want to ask is like, was the courts and crime the initial beat that you wanted to get in? And then, then the second question is overall, like, um, how did you get into being a reporter? No, I did not <laughs> want cops and court. I didn't even know that that was an option. I had gone from, so I used to work for the Marianas Variety Guam, and then it became the Guam Daily Post. I was there for two and a half years. And I actually was supposed to be there for like three months. I told myself, oh, I got this, I got an internship. They had a reporter opening. I was gonna be there for three months and save enough money to move to Thailand to become a teacher and ride elephants. And then I just ended up staying. I could do the job sufficiently and I was getting paid, but like, I didn't know like if I was doing it well or if I was the best that I could be. And when you're like, when you're first starting out, you could never be the best. But to me, I was like, that's, 
I'm a failure if I'm not the best. It's still how I think now. So I didn't, but I ended up staying um, for, and I just needed, I was like tired of being there and I needed another job. And uh, Jarek, who works at the PDN with me, he called me and he's like, hey, they're looking for, there's an opening. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> I came in and I've been there since. And actually the person who left was a cops and courts reporter. So they're like, you're doing that. And then at the same time, Heidi had just come in and she's like, she's doing education. And I was like, okay, okay, yeah, I, I'll do it. I didn't know that. Um, and I remember like asking like, oh, so what, how, how many stories am I going to write a day? And they're like, probably one. And I'm like, um, and they're uh, like, you know, probably three or four short ones. And I was like, that seems correct. Because I had an inkling of like what the cops beat, um, public safety beat was when I was at the Variety, when I, I didn't cover it, but I had to cover for the, the public safety reporter before at the Variety. Like when she was off, like I had to go in and like cover a trial or whatever. And so, and I had seen magistrate's reports, so I had some inkling of like, this is a lot. And at the Variety, there was a quota. Like we had to write four stories at least because we were salary. And um, I hated that. And now I'm here doing the same thing, writing at least four stories a day. But I think that it ended up being to my benefit because I learned time management. Like if, I, if I'm salary and I wanted to get off at five, then I better hurry up and write those stories. Um, like my four stories for the variety. And that's sort of just been my mode the whole time. And I didn't want cops and courts. And actually, if you ask me now, like what beat do I want, which I've been asked before, I'm like, I don't know. Cause, I, cause I'm um, like, you like being on the front page. You know what I mean? After a while, it's, like, not that important. I think we've talked about this before. But, like, after a while, being on the front page isn't, like, a big, big deal. But, um, like, it's still, like, yeah, I, I, I want my story to be prominent. Like, that's sort of, that's sort of, like, the ego of being a reporter. I hate to, like, call myself a journalist. Like, sure, that's what I do as a job. But, like, I feel like journalist is, like, a more, like, professional, respected person. I'm always, like, leaning toward, like, I'm just a reporter, sometimes I'm a stenographer, that sort of definition. Going back to um, something, a point that you just made, and, and it was actually really something that I act, uh, I learned from uh, greatly was, you know, kind of like as we're going throughout our years as reporters, we find that it's not really, like, it's not a big deal if I'm not on the front page anymore. Like, maybe like the first month or yeah. the first two months, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on the front page, I'm going to show this to, like, my friends and such. But after a while, it's just like, eh, I mean, I wrote a story, it's going to be in the paper, or it's not, it's going to be online, whatever. But something that you told me was just like, even if, you know, you don't care about being on the first page, uh, it's best to think of making the story um, good quality enough to yeah. be on the first page. Like, yeah. that's the mindset that you should always have. And that's something that actually stuck with me, too. So even if I'm, even if it's like a story that's not uh, particularly uh uh, important, of course. Like, if you were, to, if I mean, if you were to like dissect a paper, obviously, uh, crime-related issues would be on the front page because those are the most eye-catching, mm -hmm. uh, the most the one that would grab your attention the most. Um, and so, I've worked, I've actually worked uh, with Jasmine before, and of course, she's, she was like, she was a really great reporter, and she was always on top of things too. Um, and I wrote on the environment beat, which is not necessarily as important as crime. Like, you would probably see maybe one or two environment stories. It's actually, I would paper. argue that it's the most important beat. But um, readers online and in print tend to gravitate toward like the crime beat just because it's like 
what? That could happen? Right. You know, I don't yeah. know why people like to scare themselves. And that's, then, uh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, that, and that, uh, that, I guess that, that's kind of what I was trying to say too, is just more so like um, uh, environment stories. Of course, any, I think to me, any story that's, that is going to be in the paper is, is important and is, is important for people to read. But of course, if you're working in a revenue-based company, you're obviously going to want content that your readers are going to like more. And we've seen our page views, like our page accounts and such, and environment would kind of just be like further down on line, unless it's something um, related to like something possibly criminal or like yeah. civil uh, civil litigation. So kind of going back to like that point, it, it's just, I think it really struck me as like a really good mindset to have just to, no matter what you're writing, just to always assume that it might be first page. So you have to write it in that same quality, in that same caliber. You, you mentioned that you wanted to be like thinking of being a, a teacher. Uh, how, yeah. So how did you step into being like a reporter? Was that just like an opening that you just... It was just an opening. Like I had to do, you know you had to do your like senior internship I was studying communication at UOG, and my final semester I had to do an internship, and actually I didn't even like, I got my internship because I was also a work study for TRIO, and my boss there, Yoichi Ringil, he's like, oh, I'll get you an internship, you can work at the Variety, I know John Anderson, because all Palauans know each other. And John Anderson's wife is Mahi, who was a Palauan. And so he's, so I, I like sat down, it was so strange. I was like, okay, fine, I need an internship anyway. And then when I was done with the internship, there was an opening. Actually, John was retiring, and uh, Frank Whitman was stepping in as editor. And so Frank's um, position as a reporter was open. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take it, because I needed a job afterward. And I thought I was going to be there for a short time, but it ended up being like two and a half years. I would, I mean, like there are things that are like about being a reporter that are just too cool. Like you get to like see things that people don't always get to see. Like I think of like, we got to tour like a United plane or whatever, which seems kind of dumb. Oh, one of my favorite stories is like the uh, fantasy flight with the... Was that the Make-A-Wish kids? It wasn't Make-A-Wish the first time around. I forgot. I think it was Big Brothers and Big Sisters it might have been when I covered it. But it was, like, so fun. And and the kids are like, oh, we're going to the North Pole. Like, they, everyone knew that it was Guam, but everyone, like, played along. And so there's that stuff. And then... Um, I wrote, a, I wrote a Coast Guard boat once that I don't think I'll ever do as a civilian. Yeah. But, you know, because I was a reporter, I had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And then yeah. it's, like, getting on base, which everybody does. But I'm, like, sometimes when you have to get on base, they, like take all the media in together I'm like what other job am I obligated to like wake up at 8 a.m and then get into a dark van with strangers and that's like perfectly normal (laughs) 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 like I know what I'm going to like it's probably like some like change of command or whatever but the the sort of optics of it are like this is normal you know what I mean yeah and then um I I like to think of it as like even if there's other reporters in other media companies they're basically my colleagues too like they're I, I would consider them my co-workers because if you think about it we're all kind of working to get like the same like not the same stories but the stories within the same community yes. so we're all kind of like um, working at the same uh, with the same functions and I guess now that we're talking about functions um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about the modern journalists so before it would just be most mostly like uh, writing stories, calling. Yeah. Nowadays, 
there's a lot more involved. There's photography, there's videography, there's social media recording. And uh, Jasmine actually does all of that. Um, John well, does too. John had to. We all had to. Yeah. It's because it's a like it's a necessity now. Like I, uh, we had a coworker who had never edited video before, and I was like, uh, wait, what? Not even on iMovie. Like I used to do that for fun. Yeah. <laughs> like for kicks, I was on like Windows Movie Maker, just like making slideshows of my own photos and showing it to my mom, who's already seen all those photos. Like that was like a hobby, but I didn't think that that would become like a needed skill. Back then, and, and back then, like, I'm talking, like, print journalists, they had, their deadline was, what, 11? If it was, something was breaking, 8 p.m. Um, so they had a longer deadline. They maybe had to, like, write one story a day, maybe one story, a couple stories a week. Um, so they had, like, a lot of room and a lot of time, which is not what I think the journalist in Guam has. Right. Yeah. The demand is so much greater for information, and it's not. Um, readers aren't just satisfied with with text anymore. They want to see visuals. They want to see video. Um, so while I was working with uh, Jasmine at PDN, some of the things that we had to do, uh, on top of writing, is and this is this is the norm. Like we had to have these things accompanied with the story, taking photos, um, shooting a video. Sometimes having your camera open and then like filming while you're talking and also kind of like writing down notes uh, just to make sure that you have like the proper sound bites in. And at times even live streaming. Yeah. Um, so we also, we had staff photographers, but then they have like their own roles too. Like they have the more professional photography, uh, the more professional video and the live streaming. But then when we had to go out to stories on our own, we had to do all of those things. That's like four things uh, all at once within a short deadline. And it came to the point where writing the story itself was actually a very small portion of journalism. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I guess we're right now? Thank God. That's <laughs> the easiest thing I have to do today. I, I always thought that actually about reporting is like the information gathering part of it to me is like the bulk of what I do. And if the information's already there, when I come to the point that I get to write the story, I'm like, phew, okay, can do. That's fine. Other people struggle in different ways, right? Um, but yeah, like at that point, and sometimes that's not the only thing you, so you're doing all of that for one assignment. That's probably, that might not be the only thing you do that day. Like yeah. you have two other stories to turn in yeah. that like, maybe you have a file photo for, so you're saved in that regard, or maybe you have like a evergreen video. So maybe you can, you're okay with that. But all of our stories have to come with video, preferably fresh video, preferably good video. <laughs> and by good, it's like, you're not just like. So you're, say you're covering an education meeting or like a board meeting of some sort and you're like, a good video of course is of someone explaining the gist of what you're writing about. But sometimes like, what can you do? Like there have been people who just like take a, a video of what's happening and it's like not related to this or anyway, but that's a video. Yeah. So like reporters these days do all that, like the, on like the back end, but then like also, Oh, is it good to like update your Twitter and say like I'm here, I'm right. covering this. The social media aspect of it too. And then there's no like Instagram stories and a lot of um, feedback that we would get from people were like, you guys should be on Instagram more, and like we can barely be here <laughs> wherever we, can, we, we are. We can barely even wake up. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a lot to be a reporter these days. It is, and um, I guess just to, to be fair, like uh, newsrooms on Guam are relatively small. So if you were to like go to like national newsrooms, I think I, I, I toured CNN once and there was like a newsroom that could hold 200 people. Can you imagine having 200 people write news like no. that? I wish, like, I wish we had that so we can specialize in very specific things. But in a way, I think, uh, I think journalists in smaller communities where uh, there's a smaller newsroom kind of have the like the advantage because we have to learn so many things to be like a, a jack of all trades. So like by the time we if we transition to another job, we don't just say, oh, I, I wrote like, no, I, we wrote, we did video, we did yeah. photos, we did social media management, we checked website analytics, like all of those things are, are just kind of like the, like the norm for, uh, for Guam journalists uh, to do now. So. Um, I mean, is that something that you kind of like also? Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, do I like to do a lot more work? <laughs> Not generally. <laughs> um, but for the product, like I can't deny that like I, I have those skills, right? And so I think, of course, the opportunity to like have given me those skills. Because again, I think of back like there are people that have, um, we've hired people who don't have that, who are like, oh, I've never done this before. And so like even when... Um, like we switched to watch it which is uh, like a video editing web-based program to me it was like user-friendly but to someone who had never edited before it's like a whole new language so I think like having those skills and while it is like oh I I do all this it also helped me yeah what you said basically just like like hone those skills and so I do like editing I like when I have all of the b-roll that I need even if it's like a 50-minute clip but it like works well and the sound bites good and and everything works like that's another sort of like accomplishment for me on top of like okay the story is also uh, well written and clear and 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 concise and great hey I can also do this video I think it's it's just another like tool that you have that apparently not everyone else has I didn't know I, I really didn't know. I really thought that like other people had like done photos or editing or had that interest in them. But I don't know if that's common. I guess it's not. Especially in this industry too, because there were occasions where like people would come in from other newsrooms to yeah. our newsroom and then they'd be like, oh, we, we never had to do this. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> uh, nice. Well, now you do. <laughs> Yeah, because it's it's kind of like going back again and just having being able to have more people in the newsroom. I think one of my um, uh, one of my former bosses had told me that uh, in the newsroom that she worked with, and she was at the D the Detroit Free Press. Uh, she was saying that like not only did reporters have their own specific beats, but there were editors for those specific beats, and then there mm. were producers for those specific beats. Whereas on wow. Guam, it's like the producer has to. There were maybe like three. Three producers at the time and they had to uh, manage every reporter's stories uh, on top of um, what the editors have to say. There were maybe three editors for nine, ten reporters total um, and I think it was just one editor for accountability which yeah. is like six, like five or six reporters. So I mean what a concept. I think like to have a dedicated editor on, on your beat and to have dedicated producers on your beat that eliminates so much confusion because they know like for crime a lot of times people sort of 
I don't know. There's like certain things that I can't say. Like if someone's arrested but not charged, I can't say that they were arrested for this. Right. Or if they were charged. And the keyword is for. Like you can't say that they were arrested for that yeah. because you're already implying um, guilt. guilt. And of course, like the standard is you're innocent until proven guilty. And then what if they were charged with this but they were convicted of not something else? So then I have to be like very clear. And I think that's what a concept. I just envisioned myself real quickly like in a room where. The producer knows exactly what my story should say. Right, and that yeah. would make things a lot, you know, a lot easier, especially and even when it's like across different um, sections of the newspaper too. So if it's like a local news and then the lifestyle, like the lifestyle section, like the producers on the lifestyle section would have a better time um, thinking of more creative or like uh, sexy ways to like promote stories. Yeah. Whereas uh, whereas producers on the local beat would be more, you know, serious. Like they kind of know their craft. So are there any like misconceptions that you think that people have about reporters that you want to just want to like clear the record on? It's hard to say. I think every reporter is like different, but I think um, I mean, I think people think that reporters are like people are so quick to say like, oh, so and so is biased. They'll read something and then someone will say, oh, that's bias. And then they don't do the extra work to like suss that out and be like what does it mean that it's bias or you know they'll just sort of interpret someone else's words and take that for fact and then carry on the rest of their life thinking that uh, oh that news source is biased without like trying to figure that out and a lot of the times I, I don't know like people I don't know if people know this they probably don't because they probably expect us to like have all the time in the world to talk to everyone else but you know the drill it's like I have this story in, this needs to go, and like, I've reached out to the people, but this is not the only thing that's on my plate today, I have other things, um, so sometimes the story that you get is like the best story that you're gonna get within like, four hours, right? Yeah. That's gathering news, that's making the calls, that's sometimes going to the person's office, staying out there, like, it's, and, and hounding these people, sometimes that's the best story that you're gonna get and I don't know why people are like how come you didn't do this or why didn't you do this it's like I don't know if you know this but I'm like one person and I cannot be 50 people I, I don't get paid to be 50 people um, and most of the time you do the do those things but to know like response like you yeah. don't get you know comment from that uh, from you know the sources maybe on time or like it's kind of late so it's like pushed over to another story um, that happens but, so yeah, many that times that does happen a lot and um, if you fear rejection, you should be a reporter because you get rejected constantly. You'll totally like overcome that fear. I have so many blue check marks on my WhatsApp. It is unreal and no response. And I <laughs> used to bother me, but now it's like regular. Now I'm like just calling and I've been like, I've <laughs> people don't pick up my calls, people don't call me back. So if you're like a person who like fears rejection, please take this job. I mean, try it out. It, I, you'll get over it. You'll just be like, oh, okay, it's another thing. I just have to do it. And on top of that, there's like, there's a pressure of yourself that you want to be like the best that you can, like be the best and do the best that you can do in everything that you do. Then your bosses are like pressuring you. And then you're like, hey, and being a reporter is like a strange thing. I always, it's like, you have to build a rapport with the source, but you also have to like be professional. If a source, like, sends you a shrug emoji after you ask them a completely fair question, you can't, like, respond with, like, 
an angry emoji or the middle finger emoji. It's just not that. Like, you're just going to have to, like, take that. Because you are not just you. You are also the publication that you're representing or the news organization that you're representing. So I can't be on it. There are many things that I'd like to say to all those unread or those, like, red check marks, but I have to, like, hold it in. But at the same time, like, how do you build a rapport with someone who, like, ignores you all the time? Sometimes I think, like, I must hate myself to stay in a job where, like, I have to, like, give and give and give and, like, people hate me. They think I'm biased. They're like, oh, this is wrong. You're an idiot. And I'm like, I'm still here. I don't know. I didn't mean to get existential there at all. But, but I, definitely, I definitely feel that, too, because there are times where you just get like there's there's a story that you work so hard on that you took so much time on and then like you just get a you get criticism on like a minor technicality even as much as like a like a word that you use that might have been like a a connotation like a negative connotation and it's just like your whole like everything that you worked on for that one story just kind of gets flipped over just because of like something simple and and yeah that's why i kind of like i completely understand that and there's so many times where i'm just like why why, why am I being a reporter? Like, and that's like 90% of the time. But really for me, like, I think that it's the 10% that really makes me stay. And it's because when you get those like emails or you get those messages from people like saying like, hey, I really appreciated your story. Or like when you hear about like how something that you produced or you created uh, positively impacted someone else's life um, and, and it proved useful to them, you know, it kind of just makes me think, oh, well, shit, that's why, you know, that's why I'm in this job. Yeah. A lot of the times it's like we're in a position to ask the questions that, like, matter to people and ask them of people who should have the answers. So that's a, I guess it's a perk because they're, I mean, you go through conversations with people just, like, in the street or whatever, and they're like, why can't this happen? How come I can't do this? How come this is like this? A lot of, and I'm thinking, like, in terms of, like, um, government and like services to the people because it's their tax money that's paying for all of this so you're in a position to ask those questions for people who cannot like for people in Gilbaza who like still don't have plumbing they can ask those questions surely but do they have the same platform that you have with an article and actually now that I say that like people do like social media these days people really do have that platform and so like whereas we are in a position to ask people I think people also now these days are in that same position and they can ask that and they can like voice their, the, um, you know, their thoughts like freely on social media. It's, it's really turned. I think like the phrase that they use for that is like citizen journalists yeah. where they themselves put up um, information on social media or like they would record videos. But there's a more, there's a very like a, there's like a chaotic nature with that specifically, but which I think could be at times more harmful than helpful but of course you know it is something that technology nowadays is allowing people to do oh there also was one misconception that i that i always w i think it's something that you can relate to too it's just that reporters don't write headlines like oh that's one of the big ones that like really uh, annoys me especially because and and then of course when you when something gets uploaded on social media online online sometimes readers only read the headlines and that's how far it goes um, but just to clarify, like, we don't come up with the headlines. We probably, like, we suggest headlines, but eventually, like, those are, the final decision is the editor. And sometimes it tends to get out of hand, like, uh, they would make headlines clickbaity, uh, and sometimes it's not exactly what you wanted 
you know, like the main part of the story to be about. Um, have there been kind of like any experiences on your behalf? Yeah, sometimes that's happened to me, but I have to be honest, and sometimes I wrote that suggested headline and it's wrong. Yesterday I put employee. I meant to say employer. Oh. So I had to fix that. Um, there are, yeah, and there's but, definitely but, cases. But there like are that times too. that, yeah, there's a headline that, especially for print where space is limited, online generally my suggested headline sticks because because it's like SEO and, and, and it's longer and there's space for it on the internet. But in print, um, sometimes that gets chopped. Sometimes someone else writes the headline for my story and it is not right. The, uh, there was, just recently there was like someone put, um, the story was I interview a store owner who about a, a bad check that someone tried to cash. And the attribution was police, da-da-da, da-da-da, suspicious check, but it it's, totally wrong like i did that didn't come from police police ignore me all the time so sometimes that information can have come from police because they ignored me that day so that came from the store owner and i don't and my suggested headline was like store owner colon da 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 so i have no idea how that got mixed up but the like the crushing thing is that like it's a mistake with my name on it the other day like i spelled a person's name correctly throughout my story and then it was there was a sentence that was rewritten with that person's name in it and that person's name was then misspelled and then for some ungodly reason they use that as the pull quote so not only is it like spelled right everywhere else the pull quote which is quite prominent on the page <laughs> is spelled wrong um, but it's like crushing it's like not my mistake i just have to like take it on the chin and be like whatever and write a clearing which is also not my problem, not my mistake, but it's like a clearing and then someone will read it and then they'll go back to that paper and be like, oh, that was Jasmine's dumb mistake. She's an idiot. And then they just move on with the rest of their life thinking I'm an idiot. They're not that wrong, but in that respect, for those stories, that was not my problem. Um, that was not my mistake. It's, it's frustrating, but it's like the nature of the beast. You know, it's like, it's an occupational hazard. It's just one of those. And... Um, I think you tweeted one time about like, like annual mistakes or whatever, or like reading like the New York Times also like has their oh, like yeah, like they have like a um, I guess like for the week every week they post like all the errors that they had in their paper and it's like a lot like I, I didn't expect because you know like New York Times from from like a very like a local paper perspective we see New York Times are like wow this is like a really big you know newspaper company so you would think that there's like a lot of vetting involved in the stories to make sure that everything's correct um but i found a section in the new york times website where they just list every single error that they had in like correction that they need to make uh for the week and i was surprised at how how much it was and i was like i guess you know it's not so different you know whether you're a small or a big newspaper company and there's there's also times where you know if uh, like a, a mistake that you didn't make ended up getting published and a reader catches it and they email you and they tell you like oh you did this wrong or like this is not correct like you can't exactly tell them you can't message them back saying oh that wasn't my fault that was you know that was pretty <laughs> the editor because you're still like a representation yeah. of the yeah. company so you have to you kind of have to like bite your tongue and just be like we have noticed the you know we have noticed the uh the error and we are going to get it fixed thank you for bringing it to our attention like we can't just justify ourselves in front of them no matter how much you want to because like it's our mistake but it feels like it's just my mistake because it's only my name on there 
but you know people don't know I guess yeah it's an occupational hazard I, I, the other day I was thinking like people wanted less mistakes in their newspapers or like better reporting you know more stories then they should buy a um, subscription and like f- like pay for it and like fund the paper and make it better so that they can have better reporters but that's never gonna fly people are people already think that like it's free because it's online and it is free for the most part there's no paywall here for any of the news here so people have already sort of attached it to being free and they're like I'm not gonna pay for it for it to get better no way but I wonder if there's a way to do that someone knows someone has the right idea I think in general people just need to read the news like there's so many times where you see just people saying like oh how come we don't have or how come no one ever talks about this or no one ever recovered oh, on yeah. this when there's like a whole week's worth of those stories like if you at least open the paper to the second page like you might have seen that one of six stories that was written about it. <laughs> that happened one time. There's one girl had the audacity to go on Twitter and be like, this needs to be known. And she tagged Guam PDN and she was writing about this topic. And the way she wrote it was exactly my lead. And God bless our colleague, Chloe, who was like, actually, we did write about this. And she linked to my story. We wrote about it a month ago. And that tweet's gone, that girl. I'm, I'm sure she's a nice woman. Um, but there are people who, I don't know what she was thinking. But a lot of the time, people confuse news organizations. So maybe she thought she read it somewhere else and thought that she should bring it up to PDN's attention. And she did. But she was also late because we brought it to her attention first. Yeah. But I can't say that, right? I can't, like, tweet all that in a, hey, lady, here's all the ways that this is inaccurate. But people can definitely tweet that to me. One time I got a DM about, like, it's not the cockfighting pit, it's the sports dome. That's the only person. They had no tweets. They had no followers. They set up an account just to send me that DM. <laughs> and I, it was, like, two years ago, and I still remember it. What pains me is, like, am I going to die remembering all the mistakes I ever made? <laughs> yeah, there's just, there's just so many kind of, like, a curveballs that you get that you really don't expect people to criticize yeah. you on and then yes. they, it's just like it's the smallest things and it just and it, all it takes is just the smallest things to kind of like get you really upset about something but at the end of the day you know like deadlines are on a daily basis so the next day is a new day new stories new uh new forms of criticism possibly new people who uh, will create fake accounts just to just, <laughs> just to, to get just to yell at you but actually it's to my benefit all of that because I've I have thicker skin like I'm not so rattled like if someone sends me a DM now like I'm not so rattled okay thanks anyway now that you're talking to me do you want to go on the record and we can like flesh out this follow-up story so I'm not so rattled I have thicker skin and it also like helps me learn so I'm more critical about my stories I would say like 100% of the time um, so because like with the cops and courts you have to be like very particular with your words because there are so many ways that it could be wrong. I've never looked over copies with like a stricter mindset than I have with like in the past three years. Just because also when it gets to my editor, I don't want them to ask me questions because I'm like already starting on something else. I don't need to be interrupted, but it still happens. They'll interrupt me and ask me a question. So criticism from other people, questions from my editor, it keeps them. Um, all of that sort of builds so that when I am writing a story, 
I'm more critical about word choice and, and how it's, what I mean to say, how to be clear, but also correct. And yes, sometimes I, I make mistakes, but that's because I'm a human, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately a human. If, if only we were robots, but then I guess I think people would still find ways to <laughs> criticize us, so it's, you can't really win with this job, but I, I, you know, it's, it's something that does need to be, you know, needs to be done. And I think there's a, I guess there's a common saying that the, um, there's actually four branches of government and media is actually the fourth one because we kind of have that accountability role. And I believe that's true too. But I guess it just depends on like, like the standards of each newsroom, which obviously is very different. So my final question for you, Jasmine, is if you were going to a career day and you were like about they to... They wouldn't invite me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Weird flex, but all right. <laughs> you were about to uh, introduce yourself and your position uh, to a bunch of naive, ignorant <laughs> high school students who do not yet know uh, the trials and tribulations of journalism, what would you say to kind of just convince them that, you know, like, even though there's a lot of things that may not be happy for them? I know, and I, I just, like, I sort of took a step back, and I was thinking, like, we're kind of being a real negative uh, Nelly here with the, the career, but it is a rewarding career if you like to write and you have questions and you just want to know more. It's a rewarding career. I'm not saying that it's the worst thing that ever happened to me, but... Also, being a reporter, like, you have to be critical. So it's just in my nature to be critical now. I've, um, everything. Like, you could write a story and your editor will pick it apart. And they'll be like, what about this? And what about this? How can we ask this? And you're like, okay, I guess I'm bad. Sorry. Um, but that's sort of the mind. Like, you have to be critical. If you're going to be critical of public officials, then you have to be critical of your own, like, your work. So I don't mean to, like, cast a shadow on, like, being a reporter because there are a lot of fun things to the job and it's um people ask me like you know how's your job I never is a day the same every day is different generally it follows maybe could be the same like scheme but like every day is different and in this beat particularly like you anything can happen and so you're sort of like on call for breaking news and it's it's exciting and and you learn a lot of people and also like you talk to a lot of people which for millennials is terrifying face-to-face interaction but in but I I always come away from like talking to either like grieving families or people who have lost something I always like one come away with like uh like gratitude that they opened their home to me and they were able to share their story and two like a willingness to like want to share their story with other people and get it so that they understand like what this person's going through so that it's not you know, because um, cause we're all living in the same place, so we're not all that different. And if they can relate to something that really hurt another person, then then maybe they can sort of internalize that and make their life better or whatever. Maybe that's too ambitious of a thing. But anyway, I'm always really grateful to people who, like, take the time to talk to me. Um, what I would say to, like, kids, I truthfully would lie to them and say it's the best job ever. Um, you get free notebooks. You get free to like, notebooks. Yeah. <laughs> you get to see like everything um, that you get to see like all the stuff behind the scenes, and you get to cover a bunch of things that you never thought you'd cover. Like sometimes you'll be at Sandcastle looking at the new tigers that are part of the show. And then the next thing you know, you're like down at Outrigger covering like a a distressed swimmer. So 
there's a bunch of there's this real spectrum that you can cover and there's like a lot of fun things that you cover um so i would tell them that and i'd say like if it's of any interest to you then definitely try it out because why i would lie to them is because eventually they'll figure out for themselves like what they like you know what i mean like i thought i could be a journalist because rory gilmore was a journalist and then i watched the revival season and i realized rory gilmore is a trash reporter you're not supposed to sleep with your source um but that was that was like i had an interest from that from her and this is like how i ended up being here yeah i think that's it yeah. i don't yeah on, on that note we can go ahead and wrap this up was there anything else that you wanted to say uh kind of like a closing note on this uh wholesome career i don't know if you have any other questions you can dm me you can set up a fake Twitter, send me your questions. I'll try to get to them. And this has been The Rambling Rider with Jasmine. Uh, uh, thanks, John, for having me. It was, it's nothing new. It felt just like, uh, so after work sometimes, like the reporters would grab a drink. And so this conversation felt a little bit like that, except now there's like technical equipment involved. But I think that John's doing an excellent job with his podcast. Hopefully he leaves this in, and I can't wait to read his novel and his his award-winning, Pulitzer Prize-winning work. It's going to be amazing. I'm you know how we were ass. talking about lying? Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> prime example right there. Okay, but so in, all, in all seriousness, thank you so much, Jasmine. Um, and, uh, I hope that these uh, guest episodes will become very helpful to you guys, um, just to kind of take a break from just hearing me talk and just also hearing like other writers um talk about their struggles and um but there are joys to it and i know that that there was a a bit of an overcast with this episode mainly towards negative but we do see fun things in our job and that's kind of like the reason why we're still in this industry so thank you so much for listening to the rambling writer once again this is john thanks so much jasmine say bye jasmine bye thank you